It's time now for the complete story with Rich Bot, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Rich Bot with today's complete story. Folks, today in the studio, we have one of my all-time favorite guests, and this is Troy Newman. Troy is the president of Operation Rescue and co-founder of the Center for Medical Progress, and those are both organizations that are frequently in the news and making a difference for our nation and for eternity. Troy, welcome to The Complete Story. Rich, it's always a pleasure to be on your program, and it's even more of a pleasure to sit across the table from you here and be in studio, so it's great to see you. Well, Troy, we see uh, things that you you write on uh, WorldNet Daily and other publications, and we see you sometimes in the news and sometimes commenting on something uh, very important. You are from Wichita, Kansas. Actually, that you live in Wichita, Kansas. Right. You're originally from California. Right. But you have a wonderful testimony. You love Jesus, don't you? Absolutely, with all my heart. In fact, it controls everything, how I eat, sleep, drink, wake up, go to sleep. <laughs> and, that, and, and he and the Holy Spirit motivate you. Yeah, that's, that's our motivation. Uh, it really is. Now tell us about um, your passion for innocent unborn children. Where did that come from? Yeah, and that goes back to several decades ago. Gosh, I mean, going back three decades, I was in Bible college in Southern California, and somebody handed me a little pro-life track, talked about pro And I never thought about pro I never even heard the term, I don't think. I never thought about the word abortion. I Maybe I skipped that part in public school. I don't know. But on the back of that little piece of paper, that track, was a picture of an aborted baby, and it mm. At the time, I was going to Bible college, and I thought I was going to be a pastor, Rich. And in a way, I guess I am. I've been called a pastor to the preborn children, and I did pastor a church from time to time, two small churches. But I thought I was going to be a pastor in Southern California, you know, on some beach someplace. It'd be a perfect opportunity for me to just stay in Southern California. But God had different plans. He broke my heart that day. And I think the way God's heart is broken for the babies. You know, we always ask, you know, Lord— let our heart align with your heart. May, you, may I love the things that you love. May I despise the things that you despise. And from that day forward, I, I literally have uh, you know, shaped my life to be a pastor or a defender of voice for the voiceless, and mainly the innocent children that are scheduled to die in abortion clinics. So when you saw this image, was it an, an actual photo, or was it a sketch, or what was it? It was actually a black and white picture. It didn't have to be, you know, full color and super large. It was about uh, the size of a large postage stamp on the back of one of these tracks, and it was a black and white picture of uh, three or four late-term babies, probably in the seventh or eighth month, in a trash can. And obviously lifeless. And it just broke my heart. And thinking about it still does. You know, people say, oh, you shouldn't have these pictures because it's so distasteful. But it really reflects the reality of what's happening, and people need to be confronted with that, don't yeah, they? Yeah, you know, look, we've seen it, uh, let's say, in the movie Schindler's List. There's uh-huh. a moving picture, or the pictures we all saw when we were in school of the Nazi Holocaust that really brought the Holocaust home for all of us. You could talk about it, but as they say, a picture is worth a thousand words, and seeing that picture stripped away any rhetoric or euphemisms that the abortion industry could throw at us, and it brings it right down to, to reality. 
Yes. Now, I remember uh, reading about after World War II when these Nazi death camps were liberated, the Allied soldiers uh, insisted that the townspeople come through the death camp to see what was done right there on the outskirts of their yes. town. Many of them said they had no idea, and some of them kind of thought they might have known what was happening. But for them to actually see it, it was just uh, filled them with remorse. That was General George Patton. And when he went in and saw that, he was so indignant. And he was a Christian man, maybe a little rough around the edges, but he was... Well, I think good, he kind of believed in reincarnation, good, maybe, too. He definitely but. had some aberrant beliefs, but uh, read the Bible every day, could quote scripture, was from a part of Southern California that I was from, but he was in, indignant when he saw, he had heard the reports of what was going on inside those camps, but he said, you know what, these people are going to see it because they're part of it. And it's something in Christianity we call the doctrine of proximity. The closer you are to the sin, the more culpability God has for you. If you commit the sin, you have 100% culpability, and outside that ring, if you're a neighbor, God says, are you, are, 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 am I a brother's keeper? You know, take care of your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Or if you're in the community, if you're an elder uh, or a city council member of that community where the sin is taking place, uh, the further out you go, obviously less culpability, but there's a doctrine called the doctrine of proximity. The closer you are to the sin, the more responsibility you have to stop it, particularly in injustice like Isn't this. there a verse somewhere that talks about the people that say, oh, I did not even know it? Yes. In fact, that's Proverbs uh, 24, 11, uh, rescue those unjustly sentenced to die. And if you say, and I'm loosely paraphrasing, if you say you didn't know it, does your heart not condemn you? Mm. And so we've been talking about uh, displaying about, uh, ranting about the killing of innocent children for over 40 years. And I can't think of anyone uh, that's an adult or young adult that hasn't heard about it and had to be forced into a position on this terrible, I think it's the most important, uh, uh, I guess, problem or, or, or position that we have to gr- uh, grip with uh, as Americans. Or God will judge us, and God, we are due for judgment. And uh, we just pray that there'll be a great awakening-style revival, and the Lord's hand would be, uh, his, his hand of judgment would be would be spared. But tell us now about what's happening across America, because I believe with you know 4D ultrasound and uh, people coming to grips with the fact that it really is a baby in the womb, you can't dispute that any longer. It's not a blob of tissue like they used to say. Oh Aren't my. we making progress oh, in terms tremendous. of what the public has to think about the sanctity of human life? You know, when, when I first got involved and all we had were those little black and white pictures years ago, and, and we didn't even have the technology to expand them into eight and a half by 11 pictures and so forth. I remember uh, debating these Planned Parenthood officials in San Diego, and they would say, and they'd scoff at me, oh, Troy, that's uh, the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, a baby. It's just a clump of cells. It's a blob of tissue, and abortion is nothing more than you know, realigning a woman's menstrual cycle. You're, you're a raving lunatic, and they they point to Darwin's theory of recapitulation that, you know, at some point the baby was a tadpole and became mm-hmm. a frog and a worm and a tortoise and a monkey. And then magically, the magical moment of the birth canal, wow, it becomes an infant. Isn't that beautiful? They're science deniers. Uh, <laughs> they made this stuff up. And now... So now, you know, with the advent of technology and getting around the mainstream or lamestream media, as Michelle Bachman says, we're getting right to the hearts of people. And on Facebook and social media, you can post these beautiful pictures. And 
You don't even have to be pro-life. You could just be a parent where you see your baby for the first time in this beautiful 4D ultrasound. It's moving, and you can see the facial expressions that look just like yours or your wife's. And wow, abortion now becomes a reality. You mean you could take the life of that baby? Baby? Yeah, everybody calls their preborn baby a baby, not a preborn clump of cells anymore. Mm-hmm. And so the advent of technology has pushed this debate so far that Planned Parenthood doesn't even debate us anymore. We, I can't find anybody to debate this. It's pretty simple. You just hold up a picture. But they call it a baby, too. In fact, we'll talk more about the Center for Medical Progress videos. Mm-hmm. But even these abortionists that are taking these babies apart and selling their body parts are admitting that this is a human. Now, in terms of the progress that's being made across our nation, uh, there are fewer and fewer and fewer abortion clinics, as I understand it. Now, I remember in 1991 when my dad and I went to Wichita to watch the Operation Rescue event taking place there where people were placing their bodies in front of the gates to, to in effect, have a sit-in that would close down the abortion clinic for the day and save the lives of those babies that were scheduled for death that day. There was um, the, uh, the George Tiller's clinic was one of them that, that was located, and there was another one. I think there were maybe three that were the, the focus uh, right there in Wichita. They had three of them. One of them was called the Mill at Central. And I believe, isn't that the one that is now the Operation Rescue Headquarters? It is. It is. <laughs> we, we bought that place. That's such an place. amazing story. <laughs> it was an abortion mill, and we, uh, through a long set of circumstances, we bought that abortion clinic secretly without the owners knowing about it, and we evicted the abortion clinic, and that closed them down. We made it completely renovated. It, it, it's like a picture of what God does to us. Our bodies are used for sinfulness and for the devil and for destructive purposes. And and then God gets us and he cleans us up and, and puts us on the right path and uses us for righteousness in the same way uh, God has redeemed that building. A mm. place that was once used for death and destruction is now being used to close other abortion mills around the country and impact the nation for righteousness. What did you find when you went in there for the first time and said, this is going to be our headquarters, look what we have here? Oh, I'll I'll tell you, the first thing that hit me was the smell. When I opened the door of that mill, the death center had been open for 23 years, killed probably 50,000 plus innocent children, the smell of death. And if anybody's ever smelled death, you'll know what I'm talking about. It was just rank. And we had to disassemble every piece of that building, Rich, all the way down to the studs, all the way up to the rafters, down to the cement, and we sandblasted it completely and rebuilt it. Again, just like what God does to our lives, he strips us away of the old man, brings us a brand new creation. And if God can redeem buildings, he can redeem human lives. Amen. He makes all things new. Amen. Now, so we're making tremendous progress. The number of abortion clinics across the nation are fewer, and the number of doctors that choose to do abortions are fewer. Absolutely. Now, it's interesting. You mentioned 1991, and I think sometimes God does things with a bang. That was the pinnacle, if, if people remember back, of the, the abortion wars, the fight, Operation Rescue. We were going to jail. We were getting sued. The National Organization for Women were suing well, us and going, so forth. going to, to jail like for peaceful, nonviolent sit-ins. Of course. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and Operation Rescue was the leader of the, the largest civil disobedience movement in our nation's history. 
over 75,000 people were arrested for simply sitting in, uh, doing peaceful sit-ins, not one single arrest for any violence. And no, the, no damaged property, no, no, no damage to any, any uh, you know, other than sometimes the rescuers got dropped on their heads by the police. We but, got beat up uh, by the police, arms broken, noses but, um, busted. But the rescuers did not inflict any harm to nope. anyone. We would sit there, Rich, and you saw us singing Amazing Grace and other Christian hymns on our knees. And when the police would come and say, you have to leave, I, we would say, you know, your uh, officer, just in good conscience, if we left, babies would die. And we're here to rescue those uh, uh, unjustly sentenced to die. And I'll say that at the height of the, uh, of the civil rights movement, certainly not to diminish their great work, because we mimicked a lot of things of Martin Luther King, there were 15,000 arrests as opposed to 75,000 under Operation Rescue. So we were the largest civil disobedience movement in the country. But I'll say from that day that there was 2,176 abortion clinics, so almost 2,200. Today, that number is 525. That's a reduction by 67%. And the way we can tell we're winning in anything, whether it's a battle or through your education, you know, as you're going through college and high school and so forth, you have to count. You have to say, how, how can I determine I'm getting closer to my goal? And oftentimes, we can simply look at the number of abortion clinics reducing by 70%. You say, we're getting closer to our goal of ending abortion, child killing, absolutely 100% in our in our country. Now, when we started the program and I introduced you, uh, part of your introduction was as co-founder of the Center for Medical Progress. And this is the wonderful organization that provided these videos that exposed Planned Parenthood and uh, as to how they were selling baby body parts, which is illegal. And uh, you, these videos exposed that. Now, that may that must not have made Planned Parenthood very happy. <laughs> I'll never forget the day, July 14th, 2015. Uh, my colleagues and I released the very first video, and boy, did it go over with a splash. Yeah. Uh, even I was surprised. I've been involved in projects for 25 years. You know that, Rich. And uh, this project was three years in the making. So there's a lot of work that went into this. But even I was surprised at the reaction from the left. They, they just it, And I think it, it is one of those things that just hits a nerve. Mm -hmm. um, everybody knew that abortion was happening, you know, but you very rarely do you get this unfiltered, uncensored version of what the abortion industry does and says behind closed oh, doors. Oh, you saw them uh, laughing and joking about it as they were negotiating the price for this part of the baby or that part of the baby. It was just shocking. Yeah, and and so this is what you get. These videos, it's not Troy Newman speaking. It's not uh, Rich Bott speaking about abortion. It's not some other pastor or a broken woman. It's the abortionists themselves speaking on tape, uh, talking to other people that they think they're in the same business, haggling, you know, like maybe like used car dealers would haggle over a car or something, uh, using uh, slang and vernacular. Mm -hmm. And, and you know, Deborah Nucatola, she's crunching on her salad, her Caesar salad, sipping wine, talking about how she crunches babies above and below to get the best liver or or uh, calvarium or heart or lung. or she's, Oh, those people are using skin tissue. Oh, good for them. That's awesome. We, we kind of feel better about uh, these procedures uh, when we, we know that it's going to a good use. So no good deed goes unpunished. So Planned Parenthood is now suing David Daleiden, and I think maybe you also, in California, where they have a very friendly court system for their cause. 
they chose to bring a case against the Center for Medical Progress and suing y'all for for exposing what they do. Right. That the, 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 there's nothing that we did that uh, most journalists haven't done at one time or another. Oh, if you ever watch 60 Minutes, that oh, was sure. kind of their stock in trade. <laughs> exactly. They would go into, you know, the horse slaughter plants or a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a the meatpacking plants or whatever, you know, and they catch them, a gotcha video, you know. But the, the our big sin, our big crime is that we expose the darling of the left and it's abortion. We showed abortionists for who they are, and that simply cannot happen. So, yes, they're suing us, not just a minor lawsuit, uh, maybe a, all it is is maybe a breach of contract lawsuit, but for RICO, a racketeering influence corrupt organization, the same laws and that they used against Al Capone. That's you're talking did you know I'm a racketeer? Yeah, you got a racketeer in the building. So Planned Parenthood and the Trade Federation for the abortion industry called the National Abortion Federation found uh, an Obama appointee, uh, someone that was a bundler, you know, raised donations for uh, President Obama before he was president and now he's a federal judge and this judge or this case is sitting before him and it has a lot of life. In fact, tomorrow uh, uh, we are actually filing, uh, filing our first cert uh, before the Supreme Court on the issue as to whether or not we can use the videos uh, that everybody has seen and a lot, of, a lot of footage they haven't seen and give them to law enforcement. You see, this federal judge is actually preventing more of these videos from being released, not just to the public, but to law enforcement so that they can be prosecuted. Wow. Now, so the, you and David Delighton there in, in California court, and we want to pray for you and uh, pray that God will uh, see you through this. And uh, God bless you for what you're doing. You know, it takes uh, courage um, to be a, a Daniel. You know, we used to sing in Sunday school, <laughs> oh, dare yeah. to be a Daniel and do what's right. Can I and, share a quick story with sure. you? Sure. So, you know, you never know what God's going to do. You know, Satan means it for evil, but God means it for good. I'll give you a quick example of what happened to me in regards to this. In 2015, right after the videos were released, I was invited to go to Australia to go speak to Australia Right to Life. And at best, had the plans continued, I probably would have spoken to 1,000 or 10,000 people, let's say, over a period of 10 days all across the continent. But when I arrived at the airport in Melbourne, uh, they had canceled my visa, Rich. And so here I am, my wife gets to go in, and I'm stuck without a visa. And so they take me over to the military facility where they house people that are, don't have visas, uh, undocumented aliens, and they put me in a nice little special cell all by myself, solitary confinement. And for three days, I was moot. I could not say a word. However, the international media picked up this story, and I spoke from jail, yet saying nothing. The pro-life message now spoke to millions upon millions of people, and all of Australia debated this. And so what, what Satan meant for evil, for me to go to jail, for me not to speak to anybody, and maybe I would have spoke to 10,000 people, all of a sudden the message is propelled beyond belief. So I don't know what God's going to do with this lawsuit. I do know this. I trust God. I trust him emphatically with everything that I am. He brought me into this, and I don't believe for a second that he's going to bring us all the way to the edge to this point where we can defund Planned Parenthood, prosecute them, end abortion, and drop us in the grease. This is a good bridge to the next subject I wanted to talk to you about, and that is what happened in England just recently. This little baby couldn't speak too young for any of that, yet his short life spoke volumes to the world. And I'm talking about little Charlie Gard. And you know about um, 
our, our mutual friend Pat Mahoney was there, and you just talked to him recently. Tell us about Charlie Gard. And this is another prime example of God's timing. So as America is debating Obamacare and how the government-run health Government-run health care and how it's controlling our lives, the skyrocketing costs, decreased coverage, uh, a decreased ability to have a say-so in your own uh, health care and, and treatment program. We have little Charlie Gard who's diagnosed with a very terrible disease in England, and the government takes over the care of this child and sentences the baby to die. And so for, uh, for two months, while this baby could be receiving treatment, the debate was not over which treatment is best or how he should get it the quickest. It was whether or not the government should pull the plug immediately and sentence this, this baby to die. Because in England, they do have government-controlled health care. And everything boils down to the bottom line, dollars and cents. But and what about the parents? The what parents are they, and the parents, about had the parents had no say. You know, so they rushed into court and they said, you know what, we love our child. They raised. I think $1.7 million in order to treat Charlie. So they could have paid for it. They, with private money. With private funds. They could take him. The, get this, the Vatican, the Pope, only, only God can bring together Pope Francis, Donald Trump, and Cher. All of them <laughs> agreed that Charlie should live. Trump offered his private plane to fly to England and bring him to a New York Children's Hospital. The Pope offered to bring Charlie to the Vatican's Children's Hospital. But you know what? This is what happens when bureaucrats get involved. They just dig their heels in. We saw this with Terry Schiavo and Judge Greer. When bureaucrats determine that you're going to die, it's a death sentence, and there's not much you can do for it. You, you told me that the, the court over there um, appointed somebody to be the Look after the best interest of the child as right. if the parents were not looking out after the best interest of the child. See, that's such a great point. You know, I, I look after my babies with my life. I have five children, and we have their best interest at heart, and we would consult with our doctor or somebody, pastor, to see who, you know, what's the best treatment. I don't consult with a bureaucrat in Washington, D.C., but somehow uh, the, the, the bureaucrats in England thought that the parents— had, did not have the best interest of Charlie at heart, so they appointed what's called a guardian ad litem. And if you're an orphan here, don't have, don't have parents, the court appoints a guardian ad litem that would have your best interest at heart and argue on your behalf um, in court. But in Charlie's case, the guardian ad litem, who was also on the board of a euthanasia organization, was arguing to have Charlie killed. Can you think of anything more diametrically opposed than that? And diabolical. Or, or demonic, yeah. as we're using Ds. Right. Well, so, so Charlie Gard now is recently passed away because he, as I understand, they finally got the American doctor over there to examine him to see if he could benefit from this treatment. And he said, it's too late. It's if too if late. it had been done early, you know, it's kind of like justice delayed is justice denied. Yes. Same thing with health care. Health care delayed is health care denied. So it was just too late to help him by that time. And this is the problem with big government, single-payer health plans, is that there is nobody that really has uh, the your um, financial uh, mental and physical health at its foremost. You do. You, If you needed a surgery, you're going to go and try to get the best treatment you can afford or have or get. Uh, but in but government-run health care, and we're still debating this mm. here, eight years later after Obamacare was uh, forced upon us, uh, the idea that government can somehow have a better interest in your future 
uh, than you do. Have you ever had to go get your driver's license renewed, <laughs> stand in line to get your tags? I am so fortunate. I live in Butler County, Kansas. There's usually nobody in front of me. However, when I was in San Diego, you actually had to call two weeks ahead of time to get an appointment to stand in line for four hours. Yeah. And God forbid you don't have the right paperwork because they send you out and you got to start that process all over again. Well, those are the same uh, government bureaucrats that they want to have run healthcare. It's just it would just be frightening and it's a loss of our freedom. That's the that's the bottom line, folks, yes. is is we want our freedom that that God gave us and governments are instituted among men to protect those God-given liberties. Yes. And remember those those liberties are God-given. The rights that they talk about are only protected by government. They're endowed by our creator, uh, or we're endowed by our creator with these rights. We don't get them from the government, and most people get that completely backwards. So we talked a little <laughs> bit about uh, Obamacare, and what are your thoughts about the recent failure of the Senate to live up to their promise to repeal Obamacare, Okay, and, and specifically John McCain? Okay, so good news and bad news. Uh, we'll start with the good news, because I like good news better. It, years ago, uh, pro-life issues, legislation was really a killer, it was a downer. You had a, just a small minority of people in Congress that were willing to fight for anything we always lost. It was very hard to pass pro-life legislation. Uh, but interestingly enough, there was dozens of senators and congressmen that it, had they pulled the defunding of Planned Parenthood out of the bill, it would have been a deal killer. Yeah. Each version of health care, even the skinny repeal, had a version of defunding Planned Parenthood. So that's the good news. We've come a long way, and I do believe we're going to get there. We're going to get to yes on defunding Planned so when Parenthood. So when John McCain voted against that skinny repeal, which yes. is just the bare minimum. Right, uh, the mandates uh, and the taxes. That that also meant that he voted against defunding Planned Parenthood. He did. And this is the guy that ran on a pro-life platform. I remember sitting in front of Rick Warren mm -hmm. when he's running for president in 2008. I'm proudly wow. pro-life. And, of course, Obama said it was above his pay grade, but that's a story for another day. Well, and I've seen clips where he campaigned in 2016 and pounded on the uh, podium and said the first thing we will do is, is, uh, is what is it? Repeal. Repeal, repeal Obamacare. Repeal. repeal Obamacare. And he was very strong on that. Of course, that was in two, 2016 when he was running for office now that he's in office and he has the chance right. to do it changes his mind. So it's all it's all about brinksmanship and politics and one-upsmanship, and it's very sad to see John McCain end his very long mm -hmm. career with such a devastating well, vote for the American people. Well, we want to pray for him. We want to pray for him. We, we want to pray for the country and uh, pray that they get it right. Now, uh, just in the couple minutes we have left, tell us about Sam Brownback. Oh, great news. Sam Brownback, and, and I think, uh, and I know that he has done such amazing work for the state of Kansas. Kansas, repealing taxes, strong on the Second Amendment, strong on religious liberty issues has just been fantastic. And tremendously strong on pro-life. And I was just going to get to oh, that. Just, just an amazing pro-life warrior. There wasn't a bill he wouldn't sign or fight for. And I so appreciate Sam Brownback. He has been, he's been better in Kansas than he was in the Senate. And he was pretty doggone good at the yeah, Senate. Yeah, I, I have heard him say, we are a pro-life state and we're not going back. Yes. So he just got appointed to the uh, ambassador. Ambassador at large for international religious, religious liberties. So I couldn't think 
of a better person. I mean, he lives his faith. He's one of these guys that would really go to these revival meetings, that would actually go and study the Bible and, and goes to church on a regular basis and, and acts out his faith and his children are believers and his in-laws are believers. That gives him a tremendous platform from which to speak out about the persecution of Christians and other religious minorities all over the world. Uh, I'm sure he's going to tackle uh, religious persecution uh, in regards to ISIS. Um, I know that he's going to speak out against forced abortion and religious liberties in China, Venezuela, Russia, etc. So, I, again, and he's a forceful voice, but he's also, a, uh, you know, in the terms of, of the biblical sense, a humble man. Uh, and I just couldn't appreciate him more, and I don't think uh, uh, President Trump could have appointed a better person. Uh, Troy Newman is our guest on today's Complete Story broadcast, president of Operation Rescue, co-founder of the Center for Medical Progress. And we've been talking about a lot of issues, Troy, but don't you see the beginnings of a Great Awakening-style revival taking place, or at least uh, hopefully the, the, the first in- inklings of one? Well, when when you've got people like... Uh, Mike Pompeo, Rick Perry, uh, and others, and, my, and Vice President Pence having Bible studies inside the White House. My goodness, the people who are in power that are in the in, in the largest superpower in the world, the epicenter of that, they're studying the Bible and asking God to direct their steps, and they're leading the world. That's indicative of revival. God hears those prayers and heals the land. And not only at the top levels of a national government, but all across the grassroots. And when I hear about movements of prayer, I get really excited because I've heard that every major revival is preceded by a movement of prayer. And I believe God is moving, and we want to be a part of that. I do. I do. And I see it, and it's exciting. I see young people coming to Christ. I go to this church uh, where they're baptizing people every single Sunday. That's exciting. Praise God. Well, we're about out of time. Troy Newman, our guest on today's Complete Story. This is Rich Bott. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time.